Amen. Hey, let's welcome the Lord into this place for a few minutes right now. Thank you, God, for meeting us here today, Lord. We open up your word and we want to hear from you, Jesus. Lord, reveal us all the things you want us to know, God. Give us revelation today, Lord. Teach us from your word, God. Show us your principles. Show us what we need to change, what we need to do, Lord. How we need to become and what we need to leave behind, Lord. And we give you all the praise for the teaching we're going to receive in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we've got a new projector in the house. So you can be seated, but you can you can see scripture today. I don't know if all this is in there, but... It doesn't hurt to have your Bible with you, if you've got your Bible with you, amen. And so you might want to look up some of these scriptures with me. We're going to start in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 17, and all this is also in your bulletin. My, what a wonderful prayer breakfast our men had yesterday morning. Yes, Lord. And uh, we've got some exciting news following that up you'll hear about later in the service. But... Uh, we're going to have a good morning here as well. Now, we've been talking about David, and we, we're just about going through every stage of David's life, to be honest, and uh, the leader that he was in Israel, the challenges he faced, and people around him that supported his leadership through a lot of trouble. In 2 Samuel chapter 17, verse 27, it says this, And it came to pass... When David was come to Mahanaim, that Shobi the son of Nahash of Rabbah, of the children of Ammon, and Machir the son of Amiel of Lodabar, and Barzillai, that's not Brazil, that's Barzillai, the Gileadite of Rogalim, brought, now pay attention to everything that he brought, beds and basins, and earthen vessels, wheat, barley, flour, parched corn, and beans, and lentils, and parched pulse, and honey, and butter, and sheep, and cheese of kind for David. The only thing he's leaving out is turkey and dressing. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> and for the people that were with him, to eat, for they said, the people is hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. Now, skip on to chapter 19, <coughs> verse 31. It continues to talk about this person. It says, and Barzillai, the Gileadite, came down from Rogalim and went over Jordan with the king to conduct him over Jordan. Now, Barzillai was a very aged man, even four score years old. Anybody know how old four score years? 80 years old. And he had provided the king of sustenance while he lay at Mahanaim. For he was a very great man. This is all we know about this guy. But the Bible says 
He was a very aged man, 80 years old. This is following the time where they had people that lived into the years 900. That did not happen anymore. He's 80 years old. He provided sustenance. He brought a whole bunch of food. And the Bible calls him a very great man. Now, anytime the Bible says, and he was a very great man, it's time to figure out what the deal is about the guy. You know, what, what is it that we need to know that made him a great man? What is it that's so important? There's another person that this reminds me of. You may have read over this in your Bible in the book of Judges. And if you know anything about the book of Judges, it just goes from judge to judge to judge. It would continue and the people would fall into sin and God would raise up a judge. Actually, he would raise up people that would torment those people who used to serve him. And then he would raise up a judge to deliver them out of that. They would rebel again and it would just be a cycle. Well, one of these judges went by the name of Shamgar. There is only one scripture in the whole Bible that says anything about Shamgar. But he was one of the judges. And this is all it says. It's going through long stories about a judge, another long story, and then this random scripture in the book of Judges. It says, And after him, the last judge, was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goat. Right. And he also delivered Israel. And then it goes on, you don't hear another thing about it. But the dude slew 600 guys with an ox goat and he just delivered Israel, that's all. One scripture. Can't tell you anything else about the guy. But he was a servant of the Lord. He was faithful. God used him. And the Lord helped him deliver Israel. It doesn't mention anything about him being popular. It doesn't mention anything about him being well-known or famed throughout the land. It doesn't mention anything about him being a household name. But the fact is, you don't have to have just a certain name or status to do great things for God. Amen. You don't have to be a certain age to do great things for God. Tell you don't have an expiration date on the anointing of God working in your life. How do I know? Because the Lord used Barzillai in a great way at age 80. He used David in a great way when he was just a young boy. It doesn't matter the age. It doesn't matter the social status. It doesn't matter the race. Somebody will say amen. amen. It doesn't matter how good you look or even how talented you are. If you submit yourself to God and let Him use you for His purpose, not your purpose, He can't help but do great things through you. Some way, shape, or form. Brother Chris Taylor illustrated to us so greatly yesterday morning how it doesn't have to be a pulpit ministry. Amen. It doesn't have to be singing a special. You don't got to be a missionary. You certainly don't got to be a televangelist. 
to do something great for God. And nobody may never know about it. It may never get known. You may never get recognized on earth, but you will be recognized in heaven one day. And there's just people in our Bible, you can't just skip past it, that there wasn't a whole lot said about them. It's kind of short and sweet, but it's important. God used them in a great way. And in this situation, it's even more important. We're going to dig into this story. We're going to talk about leadership and unselfish servanthood. Now, behind every movement that there ever has been, anything big that's happened in the world, there's always people. A prime example of this, the civil rights movement, there were people behind it. The first person that pops in our minds, Martin Luther King Jr. There were people that were driving that thing. It wasn't just something that happened that was random. There were people pushing that. And in the same way, with God's revival, he's got a church. And that revival is happening because of the church that he's using. And so today, the apostolic movement, we talk about it like it's something that we look at from afar, but you are the apostolic movement. Amen. You realize that? You are the movement back in to what God set in order from the start. Yes. We're not trying to get off and do our own thing. We want to live it like God intended us to live it. Anybody want to live it like God wants you to live it? Amen. Amen. That's what we're after. You're part of that movement this morning. Isn't that exciting? There's people behind the movement, and it's God's church. And so th- this is something that's exciting. I'm not bored. I don't know about you. But if you are today, you need to step out of boredom and step into prayer. Amen. Amen. If you're feeling mediocre, you need to step out of mediocre Christianity and into soul winning. Amen. Maybe a little bit of fasting. Oh, Lord. Oh, God. Come on, cross your mind now. I don't want to be anything but radical for Jesus. So what do I got to do to do that, you know? We got to move from intimidation into authority. That's what we talked about Wednesday night. We don't need to be timid Christians. That's not what God intended. If he didn't want this gospel to get anywhere, he'd hand it to timid people. But God wants us to take authority over things. He wants us to operate in Holy Ghost authority because we've got the power of the greatest being that there's ever been living inside of us. You ought to have a sense of authority in that today. It's not saying you need to be arrogant, but it is saying my daddy owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Right. And he created those hills with it. What do I need to be afraid about? And so there's a scripture that really comes to mind because people who have authority are not shaken. If you've got authority in the Holy Ghost, you're not going to be shaken by things happening in this world. Winds coming about. Well, the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 12, whose voice then shook the earth, talking about the Lord, but now he hath promised saying yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word, yet once more, signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken, 
as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace, Amen. whereby we may serve God acceptably with what? With reverence yes. and with godly fear. God. Not fear, but godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. Amen. Amen. I'm of the personal belief, and you know, if, if maybe this is out of theology, I don't know, but I believe that when Moses approached the burning bush and it didn't consume the bush, it's because the fire of God was never intended to consume a bush, but a person. There was going to be a fire one day, long after Moses, that could live in people and it would consume their life. God needs to consume our lives. Amen. There doesn't need to be a part of our life that's left out from the touch of the Holy Ghost. It needs to consume us. There's a difference. There's a difference in just speaking in tongues and just kind of picking up and leaving, but then really getting filled up. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. I'm talking about letting it all soak in like a sponge in that moment, getting full up of the Holy Ghost, filling up at the filling station, if you will. And you need to become that kind of apostolic Pentecostal that that scripture is talking about cannot be shaken. There's going to be some things shaking one day. Yes, there is. The Lord's going to shake everything. But only the people that are full and in the authority of the Holy Ghost cannot be shaken. Dignitaries will be shaken. Kingdoms will be shaken. Banks will be shaken. But people that have the Holy Ghost and operate in it are going to be standing still in the power of the Lord. Amen. And so... It, it's in the midst of storms. Now this is really important. David, David in the story that we're reading here is at one of the worst times in his life. A storm has come. And people in the Bible often seem perfect. We sometimes tend to build up people in the Bible as supernatural over-the-top beings, but a lot of the time that it just was not the case. I mean, the Lord would choose somebody who had all kind of issues, and he would improve them through his own work. A prime example is Paul. What do we find Paul doing? Stoning Christians. Right. Helping stone Christians. And the Lord changed him for the better. This is not the person that you would go out and say, boy, that just seems like the kind of guy who would write the majority of the books in our Bible. Stoning Christians. But that's the person that God looks for. You know it's the person out in the drug house that God looks for? Amen. It's the person on death row that God also looks for. It's also the executive at the top of the company that God looks that's for. That's right. He's looking for everybody. He's not willing that any man should perish. And even spiritual leaders... Here's a revelation for you. Are not perfect people. That's right. Do you realize that I'm tempted just like you are? Your pastor is tempted just like you are. 
because we're people. Right. Jesus himself was tempted. And if you're a person in the world, you're tempted to sin. And you deal with your own personal struggles. And you make mistakes. Even a spiritual leader will make a mistake. Case in point, Brother David. David, in this scripture, made mistake after mistake after mistake. That's right. Some of them far worse than you will ever do. And there were people under his leadership. Some of them turned their back on him. Some of them stuck to his side. And it's in the midst of a storm, in the midst of the time when everything's going wrong, God's still got a leader that he's put in order. And there's still a church. And you don't go running for the hills because things are going wrong. You trust your God and you have faith in the man of God that he's amen. put in your life and march on. Yes, amen. I'm just going to help you delve in to how bad things were for a minute. Now, in some way, we know that ministers, people in our lives are human just like everybody else. But most of the time, we marvel at their ministry and their giftings. We see what God's using them in. We don't see when they've got to go home and deal with family or deal with this. It's Really, it's, it's amazing that I'm teaching this right now because Pastor and Sister Rue went to ministers retreat, a time when it should be just easy going and, and the Lord helps you get rest and they did they did but then on the way back they get the bad report that uh, a dog that we've had for how many years 15 years just had tumors that were too much to deal with and so found out they're going to have to put Jack down and, and we had to do that this week and it was it was horrible but then in the midst of all that pastor was sick out of his mind horrible horrible look like a ghost so he could not even think straight just for dealing with all of it and so all of this is happening all at once guess what your pastor is a human being that's right that's right and has to deal with things like you do gotta pay bills gotta take the trash out Sunday night so they can pick it up on Monday morning. It's a fact of life. God uses men and women, imperfect beings. And we see the giftings. We see the preaching. We see the gifts of the Spirit. All those things are great, but we do have to understand that they are people. Yeah. They yeah, are man. people. And during times of difficulty, we ought to desire to help them. We ought to support them. I talked just recently about Moses. His hands would go up and the battle would be won. But at some point, his hands started getting tired. He was human. He becomes weak. He gets tired. And what do they do? Well, I guess Moses, his arms aren't strong enough to win the battle for us. No, they come up to his side and lift his arms up. 
somebody gets on his side and says, we're going to get behind you. We can win this battle. We still trust you. We're still behind your vision. It hadn't changed. Even in the time of struggle. We've got to assist them. Yes, amen. In the time of struggle. And you know why? Because they're there for you in your time of struggle to lift up your arms and remind you where you need to go. Despite his success, David had many failures. And another man who was not part of David's court rose up to help David in one of the most difficult times in his life. And despite his advanced age, Barzillai provided for David after he lost his kingdom and perhaps thought he might not retain the throne again. In the same way, we've got to help leaders in times of crisis. That's right. The church floods. We get together and do what we can. The church burns. And we come together. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We came together. And we worked and got behind pastor and said, we're going to come through this. We're going to come through. When something comes up like that, it's not time to drop it and, and sit in our sorrows. We've got to support the man of God Amen. and march on. Amen. We've got to be loyal. We've got to be stalwart and provide the support that they need in troubling times as they provided support for us. David faced some troubling times because Absalom, his son was usurping the throne and he was getting ready to take the throne. And David probably felt shocked and betrayed when he heard the news of the coup that Absalom had made and he had great hopes for his son. This, this guy, Absalom, it's very interesting. The naming reveals a lot about Absalom. David had named his son Absalom, which means father of peace. And it's, it's ridiculous because... And all of that, now the father of peace had transformed into the son of destruction. And he was usurping the throne, getting ready to take it over for himself. And the whole idea for David was, I'm going to defeat every enemy that this kingdom has. So when my son takes the throne, he will be known as the king who was the father of peace. It's not going to be conflict anymore. We'll have defeated all of our enemies. But instead, this son turns around and tries to take the throne. Now, despite that treachery and how horrible that is, David was not without blame here. Because the whole reason for all this is one of David's other sons, Amnon, the Bible says, the Bible, sometimes the story is not the prettiest thing in the world. But Amnon, David's other son, had raped Absalom's sister Tamar. And David did not respond with the justice that needed to happen. And so Absalom was enraged that justice was not going to be done. And he quelled his anger to avoid acting in haste and passion. But that rage that Absalom had seethed beneath the surface. And Absalom plotted to kill his half-brother, Amnon, and avenge his sister's rape. And when he finally acted and King David heard the news about it, David feared that actually all of his sons were dead, that Absalom had just went through and, and killed them all. 
And Absalom had only given that green light to kill Amnon. But even with that, in all of this, the seeds of destruction had been sown into Absalom's heart. There was an evil that was living there. And he fled and he would live in exile for many years until he was allowed to return home. This is what bitterness can do. Amen. When somebody allows bitterness to seep into their life, not saying that the person was right or wrong for whatever they did to you, but if you keep bitterness in your heart, it's something that grows over time. It's like weeds that because you didn't take care of it a long time ago, now you've got a great big old weed that the weed eater ain't going to take care of. You can't let it stay. It's got to get out. You can't live for God right with bitterness in your life. Amen. The Lord wants forgiveness. That's what He desires. I've seen bitterness cause people to backslide. I've seen bitterness cause people to lash out and do worse than what the person did to them. And that's how quickly bitterness can take hold of your life. But even still in this situation... It, you know, why does family betrayal tend to hurt us, us so much more than any other kind of betrayal when it's our family that's doing it? It's because we love them so much and we're close to them and we, we would think that if anybody betrayed us, maybe it'd be somebody on the job or, or somebody down the street, but when it's family and it's somebody close, it hits hard. Amen. And this is the way that Absalom felt and now... He had done the same thing to David. Absalom felt betrayed by David because justice was not done for his sister. But now David felt betrayed by Absalom because Absalom was trying to take the throne. Does two wrongs make a right? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But bitterness will do that. It'll make a wrong seem like it's right. Amen. It changes your vision. And when you put on the vision of forgiveness, you start seeing things better. There is not a person in your life that's done anything to you that does not deserve forgiveness. That's right. Now we need to let that seep in this morning. There is not a person yes, that's done anything to you, I don't care what they did, that does not deserve your forgiveness. And there's a releasing in you when you do forgive me. Yes. There's a burden that just lifts off of you. Because you've made the decision, I'm not going to carry that baggage with me. Everywhere I go, you walk into prayer meeting, and you've got baggage on you, and you can't break through like you need to because you've not forgiven that person. There's bitterness there. There's places that you cannot always go when you've not forgiven somebody. There's steps you can't always take because you still got bitterness in you. And it began to destroy a kingdom all of a sudden. A family was torn apart and a kingdom was in chaos. Nobody knew exactly what was going to happen. And David had no choice but to flee the capital city of Jerusalem because now they were coming after him. The only way you're going to complete the taking of this throne is if you come after David himself and finally do the deed, take care of the final task. And he 
had to flee Jerusalem, the place he had won in battle, and he hoped to build a temple to the Lord in. And he found himself reliving days where he was on the run. You remember when we talked about David was on the run from Saul and he hid in the cave of Adullam. Here he is. He's already become king, but now he's on the run again. And he hid in the wilderness just as he had done to escape the wrath of Saul. And the time he found himself seeking shelter from his vengeful son Absalom, he was now running from his son. And to add insult to injury, David encountered Shimei, who was a man of the house of Saul, who threw stones at David and cursed him. And it says in the Bible, he told David, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, and thou man of Belial. When it says Belial, that means devil. So basically he's saying, son of the devil, is what he's calling David. The Lord hath returned upon thee all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose stead thou hast reigned. And the Lord hath delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, thy son. And behold, thou art taken in thy mischief, because thou art a bloody man. And one of David's men, Abishai, offered to kill Shimei for his insolence. And David refused. He told Abishai, Behold, my son, which came forth from my bowels, seeketh my life. How much more now may this Benjamite do it? Let him alone and let him curse, for the Lord hath bidden him. It may be that the Lord will look upon mine affliction and that the Lord will requite me for this cursing this day. And this all reveals that David had hope that the situation would get better and that the Lord would come to his rescue and provide support in all of this. Shimei did not have the right answer. He was not supporting his pastor, if you will, in the right way. He was giving him bad advice. You know what the best thing you could say to your pastor when he's struggling is probably something he's already said to you. You know, it wouldn't hurt if something's, if something's, there's a struggle or something in the church or, or something like that. If you just walked up to him and said, Pastor, I want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. He needs that. Yes. We ought to pray for our pastor. Yes, Lord. If you don't regularly pray for your pastor, it's a great time to start praying for your pastor. Matter of fact, in your time of prayer, you ought to just kind of go down the list of some people in our church and pray for them. Could anybody use some prayer in this house? Amen. Other than just your own, you could use somebody praying for you. Amen. There's nothing wrong with that, but we ought to support our pastor in prayer. And now, here we are, somebody suggesting that he do the wrong thing. And now, Absalom plotted to kill David. The son is plotting to kill the dad. It's all turned upside down. It was supposed to be passed on to the son. Now the son's wanting to kill the dad. And the loyalty and cleverness of this person, Abishai, brought, brought David some much-needed time. Now, David, you understand, must have felt that his life completely regressed. Everything was turned around, not just personally, but on a national scale. David had lost the throne. And Israel's king had found himself going over the Jordan River headed in the wrong direction. Joshua had once led the people across the Jordan River. The Lord had parted the waters. 
And God had given Israel victory in that moment. And David had taken up the warrior sword and the mantle of leadership in Joshua's place. And now David found himself losing all the progress, taking steps back that he had once gained. But that was not even worse than the next loss, which was that Absalom would die. The Bible says that he went out in battle in all this conflict to take the throne. And he's riding out into battle and his hair gets caught in a tree. And he's hanging from this tree and here come along a warrior that's seen the opportunity. This is the time to take care of the threat, the conflict. And Absalom was killed. David gets the news. Hey, we've won the battle. It's all over. The conflict's done. People are excited. They're rejoicing. But then comes the next news. Absalom's dead. Your son's dead. The father of peace is gone. This is the type of struggle that David dealt with. It was the kind of trouble that he had faced. So all there were good times. We can look back at the time when you took out Goliath. You fought great battles and brought victory to our kingdom. But there's a time of victory and there's a time of struggle. And it's just a fact. I'm not trying to be de depressing this morning, but we experience revival and God helps us and there's great things that happen. There's also going to be times of struggle in this church. That's right. There's going to be times of pain. There's going to be times when we're not exactly sure what to do. And there's going to be times when we're relying heavily on the leadership of our pastor. Yes. And what do we do? We get behind his vision. Amen. We get behind the vision that God gives. The first thing we do is we pray, Lord, give him vision from you. Yes. There's nothing wrong with praying. Don't let it just be from him, but let it be godly vision from you. And then when he comes out with it and says, this is what we're going to do, get behind the man of God. Amen. Get behind the man of God. And the Lord will bless you for that. Amen. He'll bless you for it. Amen. Despite all of the betrayals that was happening in David's life, he still had friends who was loyal to him. An 80-year-old man, Barzillai, could have felt he had little to contribute past his prime. Great things had already happened in his life. He wasn't the young, spry warrior, perhaps, that he used to be. He could not serve as a spy for David like the others. He had not defeated the counsel of some of the people that were coming against David. Yet Barzillai played an important role during David's time of trouble. He was there for David. And he provided David and his men with what they needed. Barzillai chose loyalty over betrayal. And let me say this this morning. If you are out somewhere outside this church or inside this church and you hear somebody come up in conversation talking bad about the pastor or this church, you ought not stand for that. That's right. You ought to say something good. 
I don't ever want to be put in that situation where I would betray my pastor. Amen. I want to lift him up. I want to lift him up. And that's exactly what Barzillai would do. Now, I want you to think about this. This is really amazing. There was that day where David didn't come out there intending to fight a giant. He came out there. What does the Bible say that he was trying to do? What did he come out there with? Anybody know? Bread and cheeses, the Bible says, for the men in battle. Just a young man. And he's coming out with bread and cheeses, the Bible says. Feeding the soldiers. And he comes across that hill with the bread and the cheese. And Saul and all these warriors don't even realize that their champion is the one that's carrying the bread and the cheese. What a moment. Just carrying some food. It was the beginning of a victorious life that God was putting in David. But now, years and years later, David's already become king. He's already famed throughout the land and God's done great things through him. And now there's a time of struggle. I cannot help but think that it's God who chose to send a man with some bread yes. and some cheeses and some other things over the hill to David to say, one day I sent you across that hill to help somebody. And now I'm sending you somebody to help you. Man of God in our life helps us all the time. Prays for us. Studies throughout the night seeking a word from God for us. Working hard, trying to organize things and get things in order. Making phone calls and visiting people's houses. But there comes a time when it's appropriate. Lay down what I'm doing and bring something for him. Amen. It's time to pray for our pastor and to lift him up. Yes. In everything, in every way that we can. We just got past uh, Pastor Appreciation Month. And so this is sort of kind of in line. But you can't really go too far in reverence for a man of God. You can't really be considerate, too, too considerate in trying to help them out Amen. in whatever way you can. There's times, we talked about spiritual warfare Wednesday night, where you don't even know it, you're going about your day. And the man of God is in spiritual warfare for you. You don't feel it necessarily. You're not hearing the prayer. You're not seeing the tears. But it's happening. It's happening. And there's times like that you'll never know about. When there is a struggle, when there's a time where we can step in and do anything, maybe you don't feel like you can contribute much. Maybe you feel like you could leave that to somebody else. You don't know how important it might be for you to step up and give him a pat on the back. Amen. Say something kind to him. Pray for him for just a minute. This is the person that God has entrusted as a shepherd over the flock. 
This is the person that God has chosen to give a testimony for you one day before God and everybody else. I want to remember him. I want to remember him. I just, I just feel a spirit of support. Support that needs to be behind that. There's a godly vision that the Lord has put upon him for where we need to go. What needs to be taught. What needs to be done around here and who we can reach out to. And I just want to say it again. I want to get behind that vision. Amen. How can I get behind the vision and be a cog in what it is that God's trying to do through him? I feel like maybe we don't have a big problem with conflict in our church or anything like that with the leadership of the man of God, but we can always work on our support system. Amen. And you know, in that moment where he's preaching <clears throat> and leaving it all out there on the floor with a word from God, and maybe everybody's kind of tired and it doesn't seem like anybody's getting behind the preaching. You need to be the one who says, Amen, Pastor. That's right. Amen. If it's a word from God, I support you. I support you. Even in the struggle, I support you. Why? Because the Lord through the pastor has supported you. That's and he's right. still supporting you. Does anybody feel this morning like you, you could say there's been times in my life where through him, God has supported my life. He's lifted me up. Amen. There's been a bad time. You know, maybe not everybody in this room knows about it, but something's been going on and he was there for you. He was there. He was there. And he prayed for you. He gave you advice, gave you good counsel. A lot of times those things kind of drift from our mind and we go about our daily routine. But I want to be considerate of the man of God that the Lord's put in my life. Yes, Can we stand this morning? David desired, because of what Barzillai did, to honor him. He appreciated his loyalty, his faithfulness. And so David want to, he wanted to return the older gentleman's kindness by hosting him and feeding him in Jerusalem. And his desire to honor others showed that he appreciated everybody who had helped him, including Barzillai. But you know what Barzillai did when David came to him and said, I want to honor you for what you did. Barzillai didn't want to accept any reward for himself at all. He told David that he had failing eyesight. His hearing was deteriorating. He actually, we can tell from what the Bible says, had this growing ability to where he couldn't taste food right. All these things were kind of going wrong. and He had risen above all these things to help the king. And even though he refused this reward, he acted honorably and he showed the next generation how to be loyal to the Lord's anointed. Instead of accompanying the king back to Jerusalem and eating at the king's table, what everybody would want to do, Barzillai told David to take his servant Chimham and reward him. 
Now Chimham would reap the rewards of his steadfastness. And in honoring him, Barzillai taught the next generation how to honor leadership. You know what that actually is? That's discipleship. Teaching the next generation. You want to know the best way. The best way you could honor your pastor. Do what's right. And honoring all the stuff that he's preached to you and helped you out with in your life. We can do what we're commanded to and that's disciple somebody. Discipleship. Brother Taylor walked in yesterday and he had two guys with him. These two guys weren't asked to come. When Brother Taylor was called, we didn't say, hey, bring some men with you. I mean, that's fine. We were glad they came. But you know what he was doing? He was discipling these men. And so when he goes out and preaches, when he goes somewhere, he says, I want you to come with me. You need to be a part of this. You need to see what God's doing. You need to follow me and see what the Lord does and learn for yourself. There's people that we can disciple. And God wants us to make disciples. That's what the word says. Go forth and make disciples. And in that, we're honoring the ministry that's been poured into our life. What a terrible, horrible thing. If over so much time, God had poured into us, poured word after word into us, the pastor preaches, teaches, gives us counsel, and then we just hold all that in and bottle it up in a mason jar and let it age and don't ever share it with somebody. The whole idea of every bit of it is there's people out there that are hurting. There's people that need to grow. There's family members around you that, Lord, if they could just live the way that you're living right now, if they could just experience it, they'd leave all that other junk behind. They'd drop struggles behind they didn't even know they had because they're searching for something. And even a person, even an elder, at 80 years old, who maybe some could have thought, well, we'll find somebody else. No, 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 no. God says, I'll use you. You can be five years old. I got the Holy Ghost at eight years old. Sister Kim, how old were you when you got the Holy Ghost? Six years old. Six years old. 47 years ago. The Holy Ghost can work through any person, any age, amen, any nationality, from any family. God's just searching for somebody willing. Somebody who will step forward and do what He wants to do. If you're willing this morning, would you just lift your hands in this room? Let God know you want to be used by Him. You'll do what it takes. You'll